Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Adrian from the team, joined by our CEO Renault. You're listening to episode 89, and this week we're covering. The topic of a guest post that you actually wrote recently on、mm. Harris Bricken's China Law Blog, Renault. Correct. Yeah, yeah. The、um, yeah, they 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 run it as a guest post. Yes, and it's because、um, it's interesting also to, the, to their audience because it talks a lot about how to structure, you know, the the. The,、um, the relationship with a supplier and manufacturer, and talks about intellectual property rights and and a host of other things. Yes. Yeah. So, what you did in this, you highlighted the two main models that can be used when developing and manufacturing your new product in China, and、mm. as you've mentioned, IP protection. This is something we've spoken about many times and written about. This is obviously something that's、uh, important to a,、mm-hmm. a lot of people listening. I'm quite sure, but it's more than that, isn't it?、We're, what what、uh, you're going to cover? You're going to talk about maybe some expectations when you're working with these different types of supplier. What can you expect? What should you expect? You know, what sort of risks are there? And hopefully, anyone that's sourcing、uh, at the moment and thinking of developing. Uh, that new product, this gives them a good grounding to go out and find the right kind of supplier, right? Right. So, yeah, it's not just about IP rights. It's about okay. You're going to develop a new product. Are you going to? How are you going to do the engineering design? So we're not talking about like a new pair of pants or, or, or something of, of that nature, you know,、yeah. or. or Something like still relatively simple and, and so on. No, we're talking about、uh, electromechanical products, as we often do on this podcast. So it can be like electrical home appliances. It could be, I don't know, electrical、uh, electrical bikes.、Uh, it could it could be,、um, you know,、uh, earbuds. It could be, or、mm. you know, a very wide range of. Of products, or there might be no no electronics, not no, no, it might not be、um, electrical at all,、uh, but still, you know, we're talking about new products here. So a product、yeah. with maybe some mechanical elements, with maybe a,、um, a an, you know, so, some custom parts that require maybe some tooling、uh, and, and and so on. So really new products that require. Some engineering design, okay, and that's、mm. where the question becomes: okay, so where are you going to do that engine engineering design work? So、mm. you're going to do it yourself, maybe. You know, you're quite talented、um, as you know,、um, maybe a CAD designer and and, and so on. Maybe on、uh, maybe it's only mechanical. You can you can handle all of it. Okay, great.、Uh, but in most cases, that's not the case. People who have Ideas and are good at seeing what the market needs, and you know who are good at selling the idea and getting some interest and getting some funding. Most of the time, they are not accomplished engineers who can handle 
you know all the aspects of the of the the, the product design so right so how what do they do do they hire their own team do they hire a design house uh, do they do a little bit of both you know right so maybe they hire one person to do some of the design and and, and the mechanical engineering and then maybe for the electronics um, and, and, and the firmware maybe they 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 go with a design house that's mm. quite common and then maybe there's a, a an app to run on a smartphone and maybe they they, they find yet another external designer maybe because that tends to be uh, you know let's say a lot of work front loaded and then less work over time so very often they will pick maybe someone on upwork to do that okay so so that's one option basically uh, doing it mostly in your country or with with freelancers that you uh, you pick who will work remotely and in that case usually well you, you pay for the work and you expect them to do the design and to send you the design files and you own all of that intellectual property I mean, you need to get them to sign an agreement for that. Otherwise, it may not be the case by default. Usually, it's not the case by default. So you really need to get them to sign something. But yeah, basically, that's one model. And then the other model is you rely on a manufacturer. You say, okay, you guys are going to make this. And... But I need your help to do some of the, the engineering to you know put the prototypes together until we're all okay and then do all the rest of the work until you're ready for mass production. Well, 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 uh, not not so simple, mm. right? And in some cases, it's it's a hybrid approach where maybe they yeah they they, they don't want to do some of the design they they give it to the manufacturer and they do some of the design themselves, but. To simplify, let's say there are two models. If you keep everything in your hands or with your own team or your design house or or some remote engineers and you control everything and you will get all the files and everything, I would call that the Western approach or the Western model of in opposition, in contrast to the Chinese model. The Chinese model, why do I say that? And I got a little bit of pushback on LinkedIn by someone saying, hey, it's a little bit um, ethnocentric. You know, don't, don't don't focus on China or not China. Of course, of course, that's true. But if you look at 95% of the Chinese factories and they see a company that comes to them from the US or UK or Germany or uh, Australia and say, hey, we've been thinking of this cool product. Here's the way it would look like, but... We need you to work on putting some prototypes together. Well, 95% of the Chinese manufacturers will say, okay, you know, maybe down the road you have to pay for tooling or something, but the design itself and picking the components and everything, yeah, yeah, don't worry. I mean, we're manufacturers. We know exactly what we're doing. Mm. Uh, just let us do it, right? And, 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 and so that's what I call the Chinese model because it has a number of implications. So we've got these two models, Western model and Chinese model, we're calling it, okay? I think now's the point to kind of summarise which the, the features of these models and mm. 
their sort of pros and cons. So starting with the Western model, then Chinese model, and then we'll finish off by maybe going into a bit of a discussion about how you select which one is better for your needs. And that's going to vary depending on, you know, what sort of business you are, what sort of product you're trying to bring to the market. So yeah, um, the Western model then. Tell me about that, please. Well, what I, I kind of call the Western model, and again, it's not the best name, but it's really, sure. I, I want to make it extremely clear to people that when you come to China, they have to expect that the dominant model that most manufacturers will tend to follow is a different one, right? That, so that's my point. Yeah. Um, so in that model, the um, company that owns the product, you know, comes up with the product idea and is developing the product will want to have transparency on everything and want to control everything, right? So during the development, design and development, they will pay for the work, they will pay contractors if it's uh, external mm-hmm. and that's it. Just contractors, right? Um, uh, not partners, right? Which is more of the, the Chinese approach. And what does that mean? So yeah, they pay for all the work, as I said, they receive all the deliverables of that work. And that is really, really critical, right? So if we cut that into two topics, let's say technical topics and supply chain topics Hmm. on the technical side. Well, there's going to be cat drawings, you know, there's going to be maybe uh, schematics and layout and so on, on on the electronic side. Uh, There's going to be some code, some source code for the firmware. This, these are the deliverables of the design work. Um, and of course, there's going to be prototypes put together with that. But prototypes themselves are not the only output, not the only deliverables. And people need to always keep in mind, do I have the latest version of the design files? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you have the latest versions of the design files, well, if you're not so happy about the, the engineer who's working on that, maybe they're very busy with something else. Maybe they're not doing a great job. It keeps failing, you know. Well, then you 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 hire another one. And if you're really in a hurry, maybe you have two teams working in parallel, right? Some companies have been known to do that. <laughs> you know, if one suddenly disappears, that's safer, and it gives you more control because you can you can then decide who you work with not only during the design and development, but also manufacturing, right? You go to a manufacturer and they don't do a good job, well, you still have everything in your hands to go to another manufacturer and get them ramped up faster. The other topic is on the supply chain side. The components and the materials have to be picked. There might also be some um, surface treatments, you know, uh, plating, uh, anodizing, e-coating, painting, and so on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really critical to the aspect of the product. And there might be actually a lot of work to um, to find the right supplier for that kind of surface treatment. You know, and, and, and same thing for the supplier of the batteries and the supplier of um, certain, uh, certain components and, and so on. So this information under the Western model is all known to the buyer, you know, typically. Right. However, they will pay for the sourcing work, right? If 
if it's not an, exactly the same product that is already being made by the manufacturer or that was already de- developed before, say, by the, the design house, well, there is some work mm-hmm. to look for that and qualify the suppliers and so on. And it can be a lot of work, can be a lot of work. There's, there's always some critical components uh, in these products, mm-hmm. right? It could be the display, the battery, the PCBA, um, whatever, maybe the enclosure and so on. There's, there's often at least four or five uh, critical parts and if you don't qualify the supplier, you might end up with very high defective rates when they start to make a lot of parts in mass production. And that is mm-hmm. really extremely expensive, right? So again, yeah. you get to pay, but that's the price for control. And and, and those are that's another one of the key deliverables. Like early, you mentioned, yes, you bomb. know, you, you really want to be getting up to date product designs uh, files. Well, that also goes for the sourcing information because all of this is feeding into a bomb. Now, whether you've got access to that bomb or not is is the big question, I suppose. But as you said, when you're dealing with CTQ components or materials in particular, that's information that you're really going to need to hand, aren't you? Oh, yes. Yes, the bomb is uh, extremely important. Even more so, I would say, for electronic components because the, mm. the parts that go on the PCBA uh, I mean, it's an integral part of the design. You cannot just say, well, that's, um, you know, and the, these are the active components, this and this and whatever. Okay, but what what kind of, of chip is it? Oh, um, yeah, well, can't really tell you. Oh, then <laughs> how do you go back at re-engineering everything? It's, 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 it's a huge mess. Um, yes. Whereas, you know, if there's a plastic part and you, you know, Okay, it's EVA or it's um, it's PP. Or, okay, then that can be sourced from a number of different suppliers, right? Mm. Except if there's tooling, of course. Uh, the tooling is is critical in that in in that regard. All right. So it's people often think of intellectual property rights and like they will steal my product and so on, but it's really about control at the end yeah. of the day, right? Uh, control of working with who you want and stopping a relationship that is not working, right? If it's a manufacturer that does that, and it's, you know, there are a number of contract manufacturers that work like that. Okay, you know, you, 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 um, you tell us about your product requirements, you give us the aesthetic design and, you know, some direction and we do some of the work. We send you prototypes after we test them and so on and so forth. You will pay for the work. Uh, you pay for the materials that go into the prototypes. Uh, you, you know, you pay for the testing, da, 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 da. You, you get it, um, you know, you get everything little by little as it is updated. All right. Then in that case, if you already work with a manufacturer, the, the big question is what keeps them honest and what keeps them motivated? Well, Usually there's a contract, right? There's a development agreement, product mm-hmm. development agreement. I think we, we talked about this before on, on this podcast um, a few months ago. Yeah, we it did. makes it very clear, you know, who is to do what and who is to pay for what and when, right? And who owns the resulting intellectual property and who gets the, the, the deliverables and so on and so forth. So uh, there's a contract in place. And if it's... M- much harder than anticipated, well, 
the manufacturer will just show, okay, this is all the challenges that we have, da, da, da. you know, your design is not mature. It's not, you know, th this, this is the situation. Uh, do you want to increase the budget or do you want to simplify the design, right? Most of the time, that's the kind of discussions that, that would come up uh, toward the start of the, of the design work. Hmm. Uh, because sometimes you really have to do some some of the work, put a proof of concept together and so on to really understand uh, all the implications of the design and all the complexities that come with it. So th there are pros and cons. Uh, if I summarize a little bit about that Western model, the benefit to the customer is that they know what's going on uh, and they learn about the process and they have control. And uh, the drawback The drawback is that um, there's always uncertainty when you design a new product, you develop a new product. Um, there's always, there's usually some technical challenges, sometimes very serious. And at the beginning of the, the project, it's very hard to plan for all that before any serious feasibility study has been done. Yeah. And it means your budget you know, might balloon quite a bit, but it's not, it's not the, the, the designer's fault. Actually, it's, you know, you came up with a certain product and a certain concept and, and so on and well, how it should work. And um, certain, you know, some of the challenges might not be very, very obvious. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah, another drawback is that the customer, the company with the, the product idea We'll, yeah, we'll have to pay for everything. We have to pay for the tooling and so on. That's the cost of keeping control over your supply chain, basically, right? So that's that's the model. Okay. And so transparency, I'm getting a lot of, mm -hmm. of this. And I suppose that's very relevant as we move on to the second model. Right. And everybody's going to see the big differences between these two models now. So when we move focus onto the Chinese model, let's call it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what can you tell us about that? Well, the Chinese model is in certain ways, the opposite. Uh, the Chinese business environment in general is not very transparent. It's quite opaque actually. Um, and people have always been reluctant to, you know, um, to share too much about their network and, you know, the, the certain things that they really value. They think there's a lot of value in that and they will not open it up to, to other people. Um, that's simply, you know, a cultural element. Now, they, they might do a great job. I'm not saying they always do a bad job, okay? I don't want to be uh, misquoted on that. Sure. I'm not saying that the Chinese model is bad. I'm saying that you cannot expect to have control over your supply chain and to have some uh, serious visibility into your supply chain if you go with that model, right? right? So the relationship is basically, hey, let's sit down together, you know, have a good dinner together, have a good feeling, you know, make sure we're a good fit for each other and let's be partners, right? That's sort of the approach. Um, and what does that mean to be a partner? Well, the Chinese manufacturer will look at the product idea, the design, and whatever proof of market traction, if possible, uh, anything like that will, um, 
you know, will, will motivate them and they will, they will make a bet, right? They will make a bet on you, on, you on, on your project. And they will kind of try to estimate the amount of work and they say, well, we can make a lot of progress in a couple of months and we'll be very close to mass production. You know, then it's kind of tempting to them. Uh, so they, they make a bet. They do a lot of the engineering for free and, 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 and the sourcing usually completely for free. Which of course means the incentive is to go fast and not do it very thoroughly, and not do a lot of design reviews and not do you know very uh, how to say what I would call proper supplier qualification and and you know most of the time they don't even think of reliability testing for example to to confirm that the design itself really is is um, is going to to last as, as, as long as, ne- as necessary. Um, and so th- that's one of the incentives. You need to, to look out for that. If you do not make it very clear, black and white, that you want certain deliverables, then you will not get these deliverables. So if you want to go down that road, that's fine, but you need to be very, very clear about you know, what, what exactly they will do and what deliverables you will have. Hmm. And it, it's, you know, again, your partners, so you might think, yeah, that, you know, they, they want it to succeed. Uh, and it's true. It's true. It's just that usually the, uh, your Chinese counterparty thinks more short term than you uh, in business anyway. Now, in their lives, this thing may be more long term than you, but in their business, it's just a fact that they tend to think more short term, more, you know, am I going to make money from this in this quarter or at the the end of the week, even sometimes they're thinking, you know, with that kind of time horizon. So you you need to be mindful of that potential disconnect. So a lot of communication will help, will help a lot. Okay. So as I said, they do the engineering, they do the sourcing, but usually they do not send the engineering files, they do not send the bill of materials. Again, except if you negotiate for that. Uh, but if you negotiate for it, you have to be aware that uh, you need to be very specific. And I've seen a lot of companies say, hey, they confirmed in the contract, we'll have the bill of material. And then I say, okay, well, show me the bill of material. And it's got three columns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well... What can you do with that? I mean, it's, <laughs> and, it's a bill of materials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 maybe the prices that are there anyway are all inflated by ten percent, and you mm. cannot even check because you don't have the contact information or anything. So it's it's not worth a lot, let's say, <laughs> in that case. And then you say, okay, oh yeah, 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 we get the electronic file and and so on. Oh. Um, yeah, we got the firmware. Oh, but you don't have the source code. Oh, does it make a big difference? Yeah, obviously. Oh, well, no, they're not sending me the source code now for some reason. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you have to be aware, if you go in that direction of working with the Chinese uh, uh, manufacturer on, on, on the product des- uh, design and development, they themselves follow that model with their own subcontractors you know, and, and contract uh, specialists, uh, they, they don't always do everything in-house. So when they do some specialist design, they might engage 
one of the subcontractors. And these subcontractors, they will never give, for example, the source code if it's the firmware. So your Chinese manufacturer will never have the source code anyway in that case. So you can bang on the table as much as you want. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get it, even if they would like to give it to you. Because their own subcontractor is, you know, is dealing only with Chinese companies and they will never, I mean, that I can really confirm, you know, 99% of them, uh, it's just their business model to keep it in their hands. Because mm. next time you want an update, you have to pay. Even if it's a tiny update, it's going to be 5,000 RMB minimum, right? Um, and every time you want a tiny update, beam, they're going to charge for that. It is their business model. Right, because they did not charge much the first time, because hey, guess what? The manufacturer would not pay a lot for that. So it's kind of the game, right? When the expectations are in a certain way, you cannot change that halfway through the project. You have to make the assumptions and all the all the implications and your, your requirements extremely clear, black and white, and get them confirmed, uh, you know, and really into the details. That's really the, the situation with that Chinese model, right? Then the question is, you know, what keeps that manufacturer honest and motivated? Well, you should definitely have a development contract, you know, product development agreement uh, signed with them anyway. Um, that's one thing. I mean, this, I can't think of any situation where you want to have a company work on your your product uh, design and development without an agreement yeah. that really specifies uh, some of the basic uh, terms of the contract for sure. But in many, many cases, we see companies that do not have a development agreement or have some kind of agreement that is not enforceable against the manufacturer. So in that case, well, what keeps them, you know, motivated is well you know we're developing a product but it's basically our product they're giving it to us and they're giving us great feedback mm. when we send them some prototypes and then we'll have our, our hands free if they give us big orders we'll produce for them we'll be happy well if we have a better opportunity we will see right that's uh that can be very motivating but you, you got to be careful because <laughs> it's mm. not necessarily in your interest okay scary now, <laughs> right. um, also if and in most cases really that's the case and i'm not sure but i would say for small and medium-sized companies that has to be 95 percent of the cases at least at least you know the the buyer does not have the engineering files and does not have the the bomb so at one point, even, even if, if they're not happy uh, because maybe the, the price of the product is much higher than anticipated or, or whatever, communication is not good, everything is slow, they will still tend to keep working with the same manufacturer and going to production with the same manufacturer because otherwise they're going to start from scratch with another one, right? Okay, we need to do the PCBA design all over again, and we need to do the, um, the, the, the mechanical designs here. Uh, this is going to go a little bit faster because hopefully they have approved prototypes in hand, but, you know, it's going to take months and months again, right? 
So the incentive for the customer is, you know, to keep the same manufacturer, even, even if they're not happy about it. So they become a captive customer, right? They're hooked. They, they cannot really uh, go away. Um, and it can be extremely frustrating. It can be infuriating. And that's why we tend to uh, cover this topic, you know, regularly often, you know, yeah, pretty often on, on this podcast, because um, mm. that is really the, the, you know, this misunderstanding and wrong preparation or lack of preparation from the buyer side is at the source of so many issues, right? Uh, another another problem is, again, you know, as I said, the time horizon for the manufacturer might not be very long, not very far off. So they, you know, and, and as I mentioned also, there are going to be some technical challenges and the more new and the more complex the product, the more this is likely, you know, the, the, the likely, likelier it is. So after two months, three months, they haven't made that much progress. They're going to tend to lose motivation. And if it's four, five, six months, a lot of them, they will just end up dropping it. Hmm. You got to be careful with that. You got to be careful. Um, so to to summarize, you know, the pros and cons, well, the investment is lower for the for the buyer for sure. And they kind of trust the manufacturer as a partner. So they don't have to to spend a lot of time. Maybe, you know, they say, okay, well, it's fine. They, they, they get it covered and they will send us some prototypes. We'll review it. And we, we're not going to spend any more time you know, looking at it, we're just going to focus on the sales and marketing side, right? But we're not going to spend any time on managing the project and looking at the operations and so on. Okay. And when it works well, that's great. You know, uh, they they have a a partner that that is really uh, invested in their project. They have a lot of time to spend on sales and marketing. They don't have to put a lot of budget on, on, on design and development. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it works well. The problem is, as I mentioned, the incentives really in that model, in many cases, the incentives are wrong uh, for the manufacturer. The, the incentives are for the manufacturer to do the wrong things. Uh, that's really the problem. So if, if, if you come back to them with a development agreement, but they've already started some of the work, forget it, they're not going to sign anything in most Mm. cases, right? Uh, And as I mentioned, they might skip because it's their incentives. They might skip a lot of steps that really should not be skipped. They will say, well, 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 yeah, well, you know, this supplier is fine. You know, we have some friends that buy from them. Yeah, never have any problem. We'll be fine. Um, Oh, um, reliability testing. What is that? I mean, if you want, you know, the product I was sent to you, you can do it yourself. You know, you don't need to go into all these complications. Come on. Mm. And, oh, what do you mean a pilot run? No, it's fine. <laughs> you know, maybe indeed, everything will be fine. <laughs> um, no problem. Um, you know, let's go straight into mass production. Right? Oh, man. And that's how you end up with a really bad batch of products right Indeed. Uh, and and when you're in that situation and also the manufacturer says oh you know it's much more expensive than we thought hey prices to go up 40 percent 
well, you kind of, as I mentioned, you're hooked. You, you can't just go freely to another supplier. You can have a backup supplier uh, ready to go, right? So that that that's um and and also to go back come back to the intellectual property issue, they might believe that it is their product. Mm. I mean, you didn't really pay for that. You know, a lot of the engineering they did on their own and the sourcing and so on, and they might think that they are a bunch of geniuses, and without them, you wouldn't be able to to develop it at all. You know, hey, really, you know, it's yeah, again, as I mentioned, it's um, the key word here is partner. You know, like mm. trust us, we're your partner. We're doing this for free. You don't need to to worry about all that. Just trust us. Don't look, just trust, right? Um, yeah, that, 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 when it works very well, that's great. Uh, we've seen a lot of cases where it doesn't work uh, nicely at all. So mm. that's that's the problem. Yes, yeah. Well, with that in mind then, and the last the last point for this episode is how to select which model's right for you. And mm. there are pros and cons for both. So to maybe look a little bit more at the types of businesses and products where the Western or Chinese model might be better. Well, you, you know, anything that's got to do with medical products, pharmaceutical products, automotive OEM parts, etc. You got to go Western model, basically. Mm. Uh, just because the cost of failure, uh, you know, and is going to be tremendously high. Uh, you need the transparency and the control. And anyway, the requirements from your customers will be that you have that transparency and that you do a lot of the reviews and everything on the design and, and so on. So, there's no choice. Now, when you go to consumer products, uh, I, you know, the most obvious way to segment it is do you anticipate large sales and can you get the necessary financing because the project is very promising? If yes, then go for the Western model because you, you know, it's worth financing all that work. It's worth it because you know, then you will be totally in control of your project. You will not be relying on one partner, right? So if the economics can justify that, do it. Now, if there's a lot of uncertainty, you're really not sure it's kind of your first product and you, 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 you know, you know, you don't have a great handle on, on, on the sales and marketing side and you can't really pull out the money to, to, to finance all that. Well, then try to, try to sell your project to, to a Chinese manufacturer. Um, and they might recognize that it has some legs and they might, quote unquote, invest, you know, mm. really become a partner, do a lot of that work for free. Um, with, you know, with the limitations that I mentioned uh, and and you, you, you still get to, to have some kind of development agreement with them, but you get to be aware that if you come with a contract that's enforceable in China and puts a lot of limitations of what they have, what they can do and what they will own and so on, they might not be that interested, right? They might just push back on it. Sure. So you, you, 
it's a little bit of an art. Yeah, you need to sell. You need to sell your project anyway to somebody. In that case, you sell it to, to the Chinese side, to the Chinese manufacturer. And you will need to keep them very motivated all along, as I mentioned. Otherwise, it's going to be a next shiny object and they will go to it. So that, that's the most obvious, you know, high sale volume versus uh, not, not so high. Yeah, another one is, do you need to develop the product from scratch? Or do you want to work with a manufacturer that has already developed something similar? So if you develop something that's kind of a new thing, you know, in the market, I don't know, a um, uh, one of these devices to grow, you know, plants, maybe vegetables or whatever in your office or in your home, you know, this is, this is a booming category. I see a lot mm. on Kickstarter uh, and we're working for a couple of them actually. And it, this is totally new. I mean, you're not going to be able to go and find a manufacturer that opens their showroom and show you 20 different designs of that. <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? So you have to do it from scratch. Now, the opposite example would be the tablets, you know, tablet PCs and running on Android. Oh, yeah. Well, are you going to develop your own tablet and, and so on uh, and, you know, select and develop your own chipset mm-hmm. and everything around it? Do a lot of testing and, 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 and so on, you know, pick your own camera, display and so on. Or will you go to one of the, I don't know how many there are, I mean, there must be 40, 50, 100, I don't know, uh, tablet manufacturers in Shenzhen and, and pick one of them that has a model that's already not far away from what you want and that will adapt their firmware uh, and maybe the external casing and maybe do one or two changes on the, on the, 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 the key hardware um, parts just to really fit your needs. Well, obviously it's going to be faster and much cheaper, right? So yeah. in that case, yeah, you better quote unquote partner with one of them. Now, the good thing is that there's a lot of them, right? So you can pick. And if you come with the, the right volume of, of um, prospective business, they, you know, they will be interested. If it's a hundred pieces, they, they're going to bluff you out of the room or out of the, the Skype call. <laughs> right. um, but if, if you're talking about 20,000, you know, per, per batch, well, you know, you, you know, they, they, they will talk, they will be interested. Many of them would be interested. There's a lot of other considerations, I guess, but these are the ones that come to my mind first. Yeah, that, that's very, very helpful. I mean, this is good information for people who are preparing to develop, manufacture a new product. And, you know, this can help so, uh, influence sourcing decisions. And maybe that expectation needs to be tempered when dealing with certain Chinese manufacturers and everything that's promised may not necessarily come without strings, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either, because as you've mentioned, you know, these guys, they're often specialists in their field and they can fill in a lot of the gaps that maybe need to be filled in for people that just don't quite have that, uh, that in-house experience or expertise, I guess. Right. Right. Well, thanks, Renaud. That was uh, a guest post from you on Harris Bricken's blog. I will leave the link to that in 
the show notes. So please do have a look at that. You've mentioned IP protection, of course, the the choice of different types of suppliers. We've podcasted about this. We've blogged on it. I will leave more links also. Uh, But until next week. Hey, thanks, Adrian. And uh, thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.